And before we look to God's Word, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, as we come before you this morning, we, um, we declare as we sang that you are worthy of our praise, you are worthy of our hearts, you are worthy of our adoration, you are worthy and only you to be called Lord. And I pray that uh, you would be Lord over all of our life and all that we do. But I pray, Lord, that we would be drawn to you, not just for what you do, but for who you are. Help us to remember that. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I would imagine that you are familiar with the phrase, do as I say, not as I do. You could not have helped a teenager learn to drive without knowing that phrase. (laughs) Uh, Another phrase you may not be as familiar with is this one, those who can do, those who can't teach. Now, neither phrase is all that flattering. But if I am to be transparent and honest with you, and I, I try to be that all the time, I would have to say that both of those phrases could be used to describe my approach to the topic we're going to look at this morning. It comes out of the Gospel of John, which we have been in for some time now. We're making our way through it. Uh, And we've reached chapter 17, and we pointed out last week that uh, chapter 17 is devoted to Jesus' prayer. There are three sections to his prayer, for himself, for his disciples, and for us. Uh, This morning, I want to focus on one single verse, verse 1. Verse 1 says this, after Jesus said these things, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Jesus prayed. That just strikes me as odd, incongruous. Jesus, the Son of the Father, God in the flesh, prayed, prayed. Of all the people who don't need prayer, it would be Jesus. Of all the people who don't need to pray, it would be Jesus, and yet Jesus prayed. In fact, Luke tells us, yet the news about Jesus spread all through northern Galilee so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Did you catch that word? Crowds of people. Crowds of people. And then in verse 16, Luke tells us how Jesus responded to the crowds and to the success of his ministry. But if you were to put this in a modern day setting, if Jesus were to be a modern ministry leader or a modern church leader, and seen such success that crowds were flocking to him, you might read verse 16 this way, but Jesus just added more services, <laughs> right? Or, but Jesus built a larger synagogue. Or, but Jesus wrote a bestseller and went on the speaking circuit. <laughs> Jesus' reaction to the success of his ministry, Luke says, was this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In the midst of incredible success, the the message of Jesus Christ is spreading to the people and people are flocking to him. In the midst of this success, Jesus withdraws from the crowds of people to pray. 
often, Luke says. In the midst of all this need and needs that he could meet, Jesus withdrew to pray. And so it caused me to ask the question, if Jesus felt the need to pray, if Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, felt the need to pray and made it such a priority no matter what was going on, why is prayer so difficult for me? Now, don't get me wrong, and thank you for not gasping. <gasps> I pray. I, 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 I pray a lot. I, I pray before meetings. I pray at the end of meetings. I pray before, uh, I say, grace for meals. My wife and I pray together every single night. Um, I look at those prayer requests that you submit on Sunday, and I pray through those. I pray for ministries. I pray But I don't pray in that contemplative, dwell in the presence of God kind of praying. My prayers are more like tools. uh, Tools that might unlock something that God would give us. My prayer is to enhance and make more effective ministry. uh, That our church would be everything that God wants it to be. My prayers are more like ministry tools. My praying is not that dwelling in the presence of God. And those two words made me ask why. Jesus prayed. So why is that so difficult for me? Now, I, I, I just want to say I believe in prayer, all right? I, I, I believe in it. I believe it's effective. Absolutely. James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer is powerful. In fact, there have been secular studies done on prayer that have proven, scientifically proven, that prayer is effective. Uh, uh, San Francisco General Hospital did a uh, test or a survey on cardiac patients years ago to find out whether or not really was prayer effective. And those who were prayed for and those who prayed were found to recover quicker and better than those who weren't prayed for. Just recently, 2019, an article came out in a, a medical uh, journal about the effectiveness of faith. Uh, the article said this, the benefits of devout religious practice, particularly involvement in a faith community and a religious commitment, are, pe- are, are that people cope better. The benefit devout religious practices are that people cope better. In general, they cope with stress better. They experience greater well-being because they have more hope. They're more optimistic. They experience less depression, less anxiety, and they commit suicide less often. On top of that, they have a stronger immune system, lower blood pressure, and better cardiovascular functioning. That, to me, is amazing. That, to me, is incredible that our faith and and praying is that effective. In fact, one researcher and writer uh, said that it was all the research he was doing into the effectiveness of faith and prayer that led him to the Lord. When he looked at all the evidence, all the benefits, 
he became a believer and started worshiping the Lord. He wrote this. He said, over the past 30 years, a growing body of scientific work shows, without doubt, religious belief is medically, socially, and psychologically beneficial. That's incredible. Uh, A study that was done with Californians, the American Journal of Public Health studied nearly 2,000 older Californians for five years and found that those who attended religious services were 36% less likely to die during that period than those who didn't attend worship services. So I guess if you're retired and you are afraid that you might outlive your money, then I would stop attending church. Right? Attending church means that you'll live longer than the average Californian. That's the effectiveness of prayer. That's the effectiveness of faith. It's not just a spiritual thing, it's physical, it's emotional, it changes who you are. That's the transformative power of God in our lives and heart. I, I believe prayer is effective. I have no doubt about that. I believe that God invites participation in his work in the world through prayer. And this is one thing that's always surprised me about God is that he invites us to be partners with him in his work. I thought, man, if you want us to screw it up, invite us, right? I mean, we're going to make a mess of it. We're going to get it wrong somewhere, sometime. And, and, and certainly that's true. But God takes that risk. God wants us to be involved. He wants to hear what we have to say. He's interested in what we think and feel. And he says to us that there are some things he won't do unless we pray. And there are other things he will do unless we pray. God invites our involvement and investment in his work in the world through prayer. Prayer is how we find and discover God's will. John says this in his first letter. He said, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So what John is saying is that if what we ask for is his will, it will be done. We have great confidence that it will be done. So prayer becomes sort of this litmus test of whether or not this is God's will. And that's why God always answers prayer. His answer is either yes, no, or not yet. Now, the problem is sometimes we accuse him of not answering our prayers because we don't like the answer, right? I had a person um, in my office that uh, said, she said, I gave up praying long ago. I don't believe God answers prayer. I said, why, why do you think that is? She said, because I've been praying for this for years and years, and God has not answered my prayer. He just, I gave up praying to him. I said, did you ever think that maybe God did answer your prayer? She said, well, this hasn't happened. I said, exactly. God's answer is no, and you don't like the answer. John, I don't believe that. Sometimes we just don't like the answer, like, like in this skit. Father, please hear our prayer for the poor. 
and we beseech you for the disenfranchised, the less fortunate, and those that suffer. Show us your will so we can continue to do your work. I love that. And that, honestly, honestly, is sometimes how we react to God's no or God's not yet. You know, sometimes we, we stop praying because we just don't like God's answer. And then we accuse him of not hearing us, not listening to us. I believe prayer is very effective. I believe prayer is God's uh, desire for us to participate in his work. And I also believe that it's a great litmus test to whether or not what we want is what God wants. And then um, there are great resources on prayer. Um, I just uh, looked through some of the books I've read over the last uh, two years on prayer. Uh, There's Dallas Willard's Hearing God, uh, Tim Keller's Great Work Prayer. Uh, Anything by A.W. Tozer is awesome, uh, The Pursuit of God. And then one of my favorite books on prayer is The Practice of the Presence of God. Um, It's written by Brother Lawrence, who's a monk in the 1660s in France. Um, He was part of a very famous Carmelite monastery um, that was producing great things for God. And he would journal. He would write these um, answers to questions. That he, he had this incredible prayer life. And all he did was cook and clean dishes. That was his job. Um, and yet he was filled with a sense of God's presence in everything he did. Uh, the interesting thing is the only thing that survived that monastery is what he wrote. A great book. There are incredible resources out there on prayer. So I believe that There are great resources on prayer. It's how we find and discover God's will. God invites us to participate in his work in the world through prayer, and it's effective. I believe that about prayer. So if I believe all this about prayer, then the question is, why is prayer so difficult? Now, personally, uh, there are some issues uh, that stem back to my learning disorder. Um, Being still and quiet uh, is difficult for me. It has always been difficult for me. In fact, um, when I was a teenager, I would play music while I studied, and it drove my parents crazy. They would yell at me and make me turn it off, and yet uh, music helped me to focus. In fact, even today, when I'm typing my sermon, I I have music playing. I have worship music playing. It helps me to tune out. (laughs) Get that music tuned out. 
well, okay, fine. It, it, it tunes out distractions, and it helps me focus. I, I find that I, I, I need that uh, to be able to really focus on what I'm doing. So, so part of it is uh, personal issues that, that I have in being still and quiet before God. But if I were to put it all at the feet of that, I would, I would be lying. It's not just that. It's that, it's that I, I, I don't pray like Jesus prayed. Um, Jesus prayed not only to model prayer, but if you look at the way he prayed and how often he prayed, he prayed to be in communion with the Father because he enjoyed it. He enjoyed the presence of the Father and the Spirit. Uh, in fact, one author described the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as the original small group. <laughs> you know, they enjoy being together. They are one. And Jesus loved talking to the Father. He loved it. So I, I guess I would say, in all honesty, um, I'm not hungry enough for God. My prayers are ministry tools. I, I, I intercess for many, many people all the time. But I struggle to sit and dwell in the presence of the Father. And I don't know if any of you can relate. I know we have some incredible prayer warriors here at Center Point. Um, my guess is some of you can't. My guess is some of you can relate to that. So what do we do? Tozer says this, to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox. Great quote. And a true statement. In other words, when you are looking for something, let's say you're, where did I put my keys, right? Ah, oh, there they are. Where do I put my keys? Now, unless you have severe dementia, once you have found something, you stop looking for it, right? Once you have found something, you stop looking for it. And what Tozer is saying here is, but with God, it's not that way. We have found God. I've found God. But we don't stop searching for him. We don't stop seeking God. Why is that? Tozer said this, because God waits to be wanted. God waits waits to be wanted. He doesn't come barging in. He doesn't hound us as Pastor Brian promised not to do with emails or other things, right? He, he, he waits to be wanted. Jesus said this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? They will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You could turn that around in the negative and say, those who don't hunger and thirst for righteousness will not be filled, right? Tozer said, it may be said without qualifications that every person is as holy and as full of the Spirit as he or she wants to be. And there are times when I become satisfied with just a little bit of God. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Tim Keller looked at the Apostle Paul's prayers, which are phenomenal. Um, And he made this observation. He said, Paul does not see prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but as a way to get more of God himself. And I think that is the heart of my struggle. I go to God as a ministry tool. As a pastor here, I pray. I pray for you all. I pray for the church. I pray for the staff. I pray for people and friends. I pray for my kids. I pray for my grandchild. I pray. But I don't dwell in the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit simply because I want their affection and I want to love them. So, how do we change? Well, let's pray about it. <laughs> oh, I thought that was really funny. I, you know, <laughs> what is it we always do? We'll say, oh, let's just pray, you know. Oh, we'll pray about that, you know. And then how, how many times have you ever said to someone, I'll pray for you, and you don't? Right? One of the things I've uh, tried to practice um, is if someone says to me, man, I'm blah, 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 I say, hey, can I just pray for you right now? Can, I just, can we just stop and pray? And sometimes that's been a little uh, alarming to people. Are you going to pray while you're driving? No, I'll keep my eyes open while I pray for you. Um, um, that was a joke, though. I, <laughs> I'm not going to pray about it because I know. I know what to do. I'm not going to stop praying for the people. I'm not going to stop intercessory prayer. What I'm going to do is add to my prayers an appointment with God. And one of the things that works for me is I am going to put in my calendar an appointment with God. If I don't do that, it will get filled up, right? That, that, that will work for me. Now, my calendar is visible. My admin sees it. Uh, so I have accountability I don't know what would work for you. Um, But if you are struggling, as I do, with meeting with the Father in that intimate prayer time, my encouragement to you would be to find that time to carve out. And you know what? Start with 10 minutes. Start with 5 minutes. Start. You know, I I remind myself... um, of what I want from my children. I want my children to know that I've got their back. I want my children to know that, hey, if you need something, if, you, if you're in trouble or, you know, whatever it might be, you can come to me. You can come to mom. We've got your back. But I don't want my children to come to me only when they need something. I, I want a relationship with my kids. And the father wants a relationship with his children. I don't want to be that child that just comes to the Father for something they need. So, I want to then be able to to pray and to say, as David did, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. 
for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? I want that to be my heart. So, if you're doing better at this than I am, I praise God. Thank you. If this in some way helped you this morning, um, I praise God. If this didn't speak to you at all this morning, I'm okay with that. Because sometimes the preacher needs to preach to himself. And you can say amen to that. And I won't be hurt. Join me in prayer. May what David felt be what we feel. As the deer in the desert longs for that stream of water to refresh themselves physically, so may our soul thirst for you, O God. May we feel the dryness and long, long for the baptism of your presence to be immersed in the refreshing presence of the living God so that we become anxious to meet with our living God. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen.